Welcome to Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. We've got a little bit of a different looking weirdo panel tonight. Rob and Marky Mark were unavailable to join us this evening, even though Marky Mark, fake Mark, might make an appearance in the comments, he said. Uh, but stepping in to the place of Marky Mark is from fresh off of Babu's freaking podcast this week is Michael Ruby. How are you doing, Ruby? I am doing great, and I'm thrilled to make my first appearance in the MCU. I can't believe we're allowing the Yankee hat. Like in some other multiverse, we might not allow it, but we'll let it slide for this. It is the multiverse of madness, yeah, right? It is. And, you know, 20, 2012 was good times when the Yankees could still win, you know, even if there was an invading Chitari army. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Fair, that's fair. And then stepping right. into the piano, Rob is Dwayne, fresh off of this Diz Live. Uh, the two of you guys got that one finished up. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie. I missed it tonight. I do apologize. I'll go back and catch it. But how was the show tonight, Dwayne? Uh, it was lots of fun. We had a good time just talking about some of the things going on in the parks. Lots of lots of happenings right now. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, there is a lot going on. Masks mandate is over as of tomorrow. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, look at that. I went to Universal Studios without masks over the weekend. It was it was bizarre, just bizarre. <laughs> so, all right, guys, and Mark, how are you doing tonight, sir? I am Loki of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. Are you finished? I'm burdened with glorious purpose. That's how I am this evening. I love that part when he ends up in the desert and he finds like the tallest rock around him just to stand on top of. Hops like, up on it. So freaking good. When you're in Mongolia, that's all you've got. That's it. They interrupt him. Who are you? What are you doing here? Like it was all it was all executed so well. It was great. Well, let's get into let's get into it. But first, we have a little bit of Marvel news. Black Widow tickets are officially on sale. If you did not know that, you can buy tickets for Black Widow, um, which premieres 5 p.m. I'm kind of stoked about the 5 p.m. first showing instead of the uh, the normal 7 p.m. So uh, 5 p.m. Thursday, July 8th um, for opening day of July 9th. I was able to purchase mine, and I think I'm only honestly going to do it once. You can also pre-order on Disney+. Plus as of now as well. Gentlemen, does anybody else have their tickets or have purchased the premiere access Ruby? Uh, no, I'm going to be uh, on family vacation. The first in over a year and a half. So I'm, I'm going to have to wait and, you know, I had to wait all this time for, for black widow. I'll, I'll binge it as soon as I get back. Fair enough. Dwayne, did you get your tickets yet? I haven't, but I plan on going to the theater. So I, I am going to uh, try to get some of those as soon as possible here. Maybe even this evening, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> I know you probably already got yours, right, Mark? Uh, I do not, but much like Cruella, I will be visiting in the theaters and, not or, and be purchasing on Disney Plus Premier Access. Yes, it is going to cover my many rewatches, even though I have AMCA list. All right, gentlemen, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about our puny god. Puny god. <laughs> Wow, right, guys. Well, this show started. This one got us in. It entered us into the MCU right away. This series already feels bigger than any other because when you start with the Avengers, there's nothing else that is going to feel much bigger. We went right back into the biggest movie of all time. I don't care if Avatar overtook it. It's on a technicality. Uh, we are fully into the Avengers Endgame timeline. Did anybody else get chills, chills when this happened, Dwayne? Like, I would assume you you like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was totally geeked out, man. I just loved it. Uh, right away, I was excited. I was like, I mean, how much better can it get? I mean, there there they are. Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk. It's, I mean, I was I was jacked, man, right from the get-go. Right get he smelled the cologne of two Tony Starks almost immediately. Almost immediately. Underrated line. It's the most underrated line of that episode that not everybody caught. And it's so good. You would also smell the cologne of two Tony Starks. I love it. Blame the Avengers. <laughs> I kept No, no, let's let's be specific. There's one Avenger to be blamed, and it's Hulk. Yeah. Because, you know, big tough guy, no stairs. <laughs> like it's his fault. 
If he hadn't come busting through the door, we Anger wouldn't have management. any time variance. So, you know. I'm pretty – I'm just impressed. First of all, okay, two points. One, I'm impressed he could fit down the stairs. He couldn't even get through the door jam. So, so well, many stairs. So many stairs. Secondly, he can leap as high as a building. He didn't think to just jump off of the building at that point. <laughs> He'd already caused enough destruction. I mean, come on. The re the shot, the extra shot that we got of Loki in this one with him like waving to Hulk, like while he was on the elevator, like just yeah. so cocky as ever Loki. Like they did such a good job in getting you back into this is 2012 Loki and he was the, the villain. And yet we spend only one episode. I thought the entire first season was going to cover our getting from 2012 Loki to the redeemed, somewhat redeemed Loki that we got at the end of Avengers Endgame or excuse me, Avengers Infinity War, and they did it in one episode. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I it love was, that. Yep. Let's get yeah, to that later. We're not with time, but yeah, it was great. Well, like we talked about it, he goes to the desert of Mongolia. He finds his rock to stand on to tell about his glorious purpose, and he meets the TVA. Um, gets smacked in the jaw, moves in one sixteenth speed. The visuals of that was awesome. Like when he's going all slow and she's just, and Hunter B-15 just talking normally, putting the collar on him. It was, it was great. It was great. Ruby, what'd you think of that? I thought it was fantastic. I also love the fact that like she doesn't sweat him at all. Uh, I, I saw a great, uh, a great review that, uh, kind of made her akin to, to Roz from Night Court. I don't know if I'm dating myself, if any of you guys remember Night Court. Oh, yeah, we're so good. The, no, the no-nonsense bailiff yeah. that's just going to totally knock somebody around. And I love that she, she just doesn't sweat him in the least. And it immediately sets up, this is a whole different, whole different ballgame when you've got a god that, that has no power, even with their own timeline, relative to this force that's coming through against him. I thought it immediately set off that, He's, he's going to be out of his league wherever they take him to. Well, and they're constantly doing what he views as belittling him or insulting him of they're calling this a standard variance. Like it's not a big deal when he literally just took the space stone and the Tesseract and jumped halfway across the world. And like, it's barely even a change. Um, but Mark, I'm going to, I'm going to go to you on this. They, they reset the timeline and throughout the episode, we're going to continuously talk about this with those reset charges. Cause that's what this Loki variant is going after, but they talk about pruning and clipping and it seems like they're ending that timeline just straight yeah. up ending it. And Loki's Loki's watches it and he looks a little bit horrified. Yeah. I, well, Dwayne and I were talking about this this morning that I said, is anyone going to address the fact that they probably just nuked Millions of people in that variant. Of I will stop talking about it. Just if that makes you feel any better. No, like somebody needs it. Like that's the elephant of the room. It's like, oh, let's prune this timeline. Everyone that's in that timeline just just died. That it's like, oh, well, you're not supposed to exist. Sorry, but we're we're about to end this existence altogether. That's horrifying. It really is horrifying, and I, it's just so casual and so nonchalant that. When they create an alternate universe that they just kind of, that's their job. Hey, let's roll up in here in one of our doors. Let's drop our little galaxy ending nuclear device and call it a day. Uh, anybody want to go get a panini? <laughs> it's the new snap, right? Yeah. It's what? the new snap. <laughs> that's, it's worse than the snap though. Like, it's, Everybody, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, and we're going to talk about the ethics of the TVA and just everything throughout this series and especially throughout this episode. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but they take Loki, they take him back to the TVA, which is just stuck in 1950s Mad Men type office. Um, but they ask the most important question of the entire show, and it's, do you possess what mo most cultures would call a soul? I loved this Loki getting just basically booked into the TVA. And he's he they go after his Asgardian leather and he hates it. And then he goes into that robot room and just are do you possess a soul? Are you a robot? And he's genuinely like Ryan, are there are there people that don't know that they're a robot? <laughs> I I can't stop thinking about it. Like I genuinely cannot stop thinking about it. Like I created a meme of you know that meme with the brain and the guy almost asleep. And what if I was a robot and didn't know it? Like you'd get burned from the inside out. And he just Loki looks genuinely like Tom Hiddleston was an absolute genius. The way he acted everything in this show, Ruby, I see you nodding along. I think that uh, that resonated with you a little bit. 
Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think, one, I, this show has got to get put up for an Emmy for production design. I am in love with the production design of this show. Um, and the other, uh, the production design and the music, I think what's really cool is the connectivity to the feeling of that Ragnarok had. But at the same time, because everything's kind of weirdly off, and I know this is a strange place to bring up this type of film, but like, it gives me some serious Kubrick Clockwork Orange vibes yep. where it's just really a little bit creepy and a little bit off, despite the fact that everything is perfectly symmetrical all the way down to the, the perfect Helvetica typeface. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, clock. Exactly. T-shirt game on point. At least it's not comic sans. Cause I could, that's on, that's unforgivable. Does anyone have any orange slices? <laughs> yep. So, oh, and, no. But the the uh, the the Melto metal detector was a pretty neat moment. And Hiddleston, everything Hiddleston does is gold. Like his reactions to everything are so on point. He goes through. I, I think. I think you kind of put it best. He goes through an entire season's worth of emotions. Yeah in one episode. I think you can tell from his perspective as an actor, he relishes the opportunity to play this role that there have been to, to not name any of them, but there have been some actors in recent history in the MCU that I seriously question whether they have the motivation to even want to just toe the line anymore and, and do another movie. Uh, Drax. <clears throat> um, but I look at him and I say, listen, here's a guy that understands yeah. his glorious purpose. And he's really making the most of this opportunity, but he really enjoys being one of the biggest stars on the planet right now. And it's refreshing that he understands this opportunity. He likes the character. He's still having a ton of fun with it. And he's, we've said this before in other podcasts, not Marvel podcasts, but Disney, Disney ones. He's one of the most beloved villains in, in history. Like he is an anti-hero there's not a lot of villains that get this kind of love and adulation. He happens to do it. If you go back in the Earth's Mightiest Weirdos catalog, we do we did do a villain episode and we gave Loki a lot of love in that one. Sarah says that she just finished Cafe Rio and she's back on the road. Sarah, where are you driving? Uh, Cafe Rio, that is that screams my former land of Utah area where I was living before. So Sarah, let us know where you're at, but thank you for joining us. And we're just getting into the episode. So you didn't miss a ton. Frankie says, go Yankees. Um, I I'm apparently outnumbered here and I don't, I don't care, but it is, uh, it is what it is. But I mean, it just Hiddleston's great him and him and Owen Wilson acting off of each other in this particular episode. Dwayne, I'm going to start this next one with you with the star of the episode. And that was the Tara strong voiced miss minutes and the multiversal war dialogue that she that she gives us well right after we meet mr goldman Sachs's kid and that guy that guy gets obliterated that's pretty funny but anyway miss minutes in the multiversal war wow yeah i i thought it was really cool i enjoyed um how that you know even what he had just said you know then all of a sudden she says exactly what he had just said you know it's kind of forecasting to what what he's feeling what he's going through and uh you know, she kind of gives us the, uh, you know, kind of the lay of the land. With the, talks about the nexus, talks about the different um, timelines and the multiverse of madness, and you know where you know we start to understand, you know, hey, which we all knew anyhow, but you know, this is setting up some great things, and you know, for the future, for uh, whether it's Doctor Strange or Spider Man or some of those things, it's just setting them up beautifully, and. Uh, the the voice i thought her voice was awesome just that that like perfect like uh tone and sweet voice that southern kind of you know accent it was it was priceless for me that whole scene when he uh even as before that when he has to take a number and he's like there's two of us in here why do i need a number you know and uh and then we saw we saw how excited he was to have a number just yeah, a few minutes later. It, man, it's it <laughs> strikes the perfect balance of comedy and tension and it's it's just it's great. Mark, did you I have there on Miss Minutes? Uh, just that I I love the way that they can pick up for people that are new to the MCU. My wife watched it, she does not know a lot about 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She does know who Loki is because Ragnarok is her favorite movie because she likes to ogle and stare at Chris. Um, but she could watch it, and that was a really good scene for her because it kind of gave her a 30,000-foot overview of what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. That it, It's a very fan-friendly way to get people up to speed, and the graphics are fun. It's really playful. And I think that that's what the MCU excels at is there's not a difficult learning curve for people who say, hey, I really want like everyone loves Marvel. I want to get into it and they can inject themselves wherever they want in the timeline that they don't have to. There's no prerequisite to say, well, if you really want to know, you have to go back and watch Iron Man. Marvel doesn't do that with any of their films. They make standalone films, standalone series that you can watch that and enjoy and miss minutes is the perfect way to kind of introduce what is actually happening. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I I mean, I, I I think that we, we now have further proof that if you ever want to do boring exposition really well, just create a little animated cartoon. I I got a very much like DNA and Jurassic park vibe from Miss minutes where it's like, Oh, we're going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff. That's really, really important and really scientific and could go over your head, but it's animated. So you'll love it. Like the, it, it, it did that well. I also love for, for those of us who do remember the other, the other films, I, I think that there's some sort of family curse in the multiverse that apparently if you are an Asgardian royal son, you apparently don't do well with being processed. It was, it was very much like mm-hmm. Thor and Ragnarok where Good he's call. kind of brought in and goes through the same thing. And it's, <laughs> it's, you wonder in a past lifetime, did, did Odin have to go through a line at some point? Mm-hmm. It's very reminiscent of the melt stick from from Ragnarok. Watching <laughs> Mr. Goldman Sachs get just get obliterated. So, so who was, who had it worse? Was it was it uh, worse for Thor and his haircut and the butch job they done on his haircut, or more humiliating for Loki to get more respect on Stanley's name? That was not a butch job whatsoever. <laughs> Laser beam uh, dressed down by the robot, dude. Admit it, you, you like it because it looks like you know it looks like the Martez sisters. moving on and then we get we get we finally get our title card for the episode the letters constantly changing um and we're used to that from the trailers and everything else but the score in this show has been has been great we pick back up in france with owen wilson mobius m mobius and he is inspecting some dead Minutemen, the timekeepers are being, or not the timekeepers, but the timekeepers jobs. Oh, I want to go back to, I'm, I apologize. I want to go back a little bit to Miss Minutes and the Multiversal War. It reintroduced us to the Nexus, the Nexus event that got it off of its kilter. But if you watch the animation, one, it talks about the guy and it shows the variant being many different kinds of people. You need to remember that because we are going to see Loki in many different forms throughout this series. Also, we talked about it already when they use that that charge that branch they prune it like when you prune a branch that it it kills it that's gone like that branch no longer exists after that reset so and you saw loki when he was going through it looks like a horrifying event so the ethics of the tva will get more about it they talk about the multiversal war and that it was determined that this was the one sacred timeline. Well, the only person that gets to decide if that's the sacred timeline is the people that won the multiversal war. And that is the timekeepers or, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Was it just one particular person who's determined this, this particular sacred timeline because it's what works out best for them and they need to make sure it's managed. So their life turns out how it's going. That's again, We'll get into the weeds a little bit later when we talk about that. But we pick up in France in 1549 with Owen Wilson talking French about his imbecile people. And um, they meet meet this little boy who then points to Mephisto. Of course, he points to Mephisto on the window. Um, It's going to get me every time. Uh, (laughs) uh, The kid kid smiles and the kid has blue teeth. Um, So the kablooey gum. Um, was there anything that stood out to anybody with the kablooey gum looking at it? It obviously doesn't fit this timeline. It's going to mean something. We're going to start with Mark Valentine. Do you have any theories around the kablooey gum? I'm not do. I'm not doing it this time around, man. I'm not doing it. I'm not saying it's Mephisto, but I'm saying it's Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the kablooey gum too. 
Wow. Uh, yeah, why not? Dude, listen, I people who have been with us since Marvel Monday know very famously that I lost numerous bets now to you. And look, there's a call already in the comments that says bet. Uh, I, I lost numerous bets to you that I went all in on Professor X on uh, division. I tried to stop you. You did try to stop me. So I, I've been I have I behaved myself so well with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was happier as a result of that. Um, here it would be my only guess. The name is really interesting. Kablooey is, is a bang. I would think it would have something to do with the Big Bang or a uh a cre a world creating event. The name itself just struck me. I didn't want to buy too much into the devil that was on the, the cover of the Kablooey gum. But again, this is all well, about creating horns like the devil. It is. So th the gum itself could be one of these seeds that would, that would lead to creation as in this gum itself is creating an alternate universe or an alternate timeline. Cause it's anachronistic. That it's out of it's out of place. So just the appearance of the gum in a time period when it's not supposed to belong could again have a very far rippling effect. That's all I thought about the gum is the name of it as Kablooey could could be just that is it's creating an alternate reality. Ruby, do you got anything here? Well, it's if you look at the package and you think about the horns as well, who's the blue devil? Yep. It's Loki. Loki is uh, Loki is not truly an Asgardian. He's he's actually a frost giant, and the frost giants are blue, and uh, kind of feels like this is something that he left behind as his little uh, his little trick. He's the only frost giant that keeps his hair as well, and it's notable that this frost giant we assume to be a frost giant on this package has hair. Um, and again, I don't think it's Mephisto, but. Loki has horns just like that um, on his. Did, Jared. did the genie in the DuckTales movie say that? Yes, he did. <laughs> gotcha. So is the Kablooey gum, is it turning people into an army of frost giants? I mean, I would. it almost seems like whichever variant of Loki this is, it's his frost giant version. So is it one that, that went through, like was successful in the takeover of Asgard from Thor 1? Or is it was never taken from Jotunheim in the first place, never adopted by Odin? There's many different ways in this can go. And I trust Marvel that they're not going to make it too complex that the average fan can't follow. But I think it's going to be nerdy enough that I am going to just absolutely geek out over it. I'm very, very excited. We are getting six episodes, correct? Of season correct. one? Correct. And it has not been fully confirmed for a season two. However, Michael Waldron, who is the showrunner, head writer of this show wrote this first episode and was when he was attached to Kevin Feige's star Wars movie to write that as well was also said that he was writing season two. Um, so we assume that we are also getting a season two, um, but there's a lot that's going to happen in season one that may make it TVA based and may not. I'm hoping that it doesn't. The one thing that I criticized of captain America and the winter soldier was, or Falcon and the winter soldier was that I thought six episodes was a little too short of a story arc to really flush out specific items. I'm hoping that this doesn't duplicate that same mistake. Six is a very short run. Eight, eight or ten would have been ideal. Yeah, yeah, but you're you're looking in that show, you're looking at two main characters, and this one you're only looking at one. I think the beauty here as well is that, you know, I, I think Dwayne was saying it earlier, like we're going to get the fallout of this throughout the rest of what's coming from the MCU. So we know that we're going to get fallout from this in Spider-Man. We know we're going to get fallout from this in Doctor Strange. And then we're going to probably get fallout from this in Thor Love and Thunder as well. Um, it, they've got a bigger canvas to paint on with how this, how this show comes through because Loki, whether he gets another full series or not, he's not disappearing from the MCU anytime soon. And it also very well could happen where we get a Loki season two and it's starring Sophia DiMartino and 
Tom Edelston's gone. Like that is, that is ultimately possible. Um, Facebook user says, Hey, Arnold was great. And I should be ashamed of myself. Thank you for listening to United. We fan. I greatly appreciate that. If you are that Facebook user, click the link in the comments above that says streamyard.com slash Facebook. So we can see who you are. We'd love to talk to you because it looks like the same person said, how many universes or timelines are there? Um, we, I mean, right now there's one, there's the sacred timeline because all the branches get clipped. Um, and they get clipped pretty quickly. Uh, so now there's a couple one of the variant Loki that has created that took took those six charges. Um, so we'll see uh, before like what's going to happen there. But right now there's only one timeline, but we know that there's multiverse of madness coming up. There's going to be multiple timelines within that film. Heavy, heavy rumors that there's also going to be multiverse aspects to Spider-Man No Way Home. And then who knows where it's going to go from there. Kang, we're going to talk about him here in just a second, is coming in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. There's going to be a lot of multiverse stuff coming. So would you would you indulge us now? Like, I, 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 in my opinion, I think this might be a good time to then start getting into the weeds with, with that concept of the timeline and, and the sacred timeline and who dictates what is what. Uh, when he's on trial... Loki Loki has a healthy dose of skepticism when he kind of brings this up with Judge uh, Renslayer and says, who makes that determination? And she says, you know, the, the basically the timekeepers do that. I dictate to the terms of their dictations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then what's your job? I dictate to the terms of their dictations. It seems to be very bureaucratic. Um, you, you got into this a little bit, Brian, with the ethics of, of all of this, that they are clipping timelines of and annihilating entire futures and, and civilizations of people that are not deemed to be part of the plan. Uh, it seems like even Loki, you know, with all of his knowledge and getting a chance to see his life play out, uh, he understands that some of this is, is very messed up to say, to say it plainly his glorious purpose isn't glorious at all no right you know when he learns that his purpose is basically to to make other people achieve better versions of themselves um it's got to be very humbling to him but this i th- there's a big ethical discussion i think surrounding the multiverse and the tva uh i don't know if they're I- i'm not sold on the idea that they're good guys no, no, I'm, yeah, and we're going to, I, yeah, like you, you walked me right into it. Did you do that on purpose? No, go ahead. So like, and I don't want to get biblical or religious or anything. That's not what we're here for. But I mean, this is very war in heaven, like Satan and Jesus type of storyline telling because it's agency versus no agency. And what the TVA is saying is you don't have a choice. You are going to live out your life. Like you said, do you have your purpose? And Loki's purpose was to simply help other others become, Hey, Ethan, how are you? Um, help others become the best versions of themselves. And Loki doesn't handle this well. Um, but it's, it, it, it's very unethical. It's very, so let's get back to Ravona Renslayer. So she has some sort of relation. We were discussing that before we, we got on here. She has some sort of relationship with Kang. Um, it does seem like in the comics, I don't know any of any about her much at all. She does marry Kang at some point. Kang the Conqueror is in the family tree line of Reed Richards. Um, but he's, in my opinion, Kang is the sole timekeeper or creator of the TVA and the timekeepers to keep this sacred timeline because it's the one where he comes to power. So I... Whether we see Kang or not in this series, yeah, he's been cast already. We know he's first coming in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, unless he pops up somewhere else. And Brian, let me hit let me hit the pause button to clarify those people that may in the com be in the comments and don't know who Kang is. Uh, Kang is a t- he is a time traveler, and his mo or his purpose to simplify this. Uh, again, please forgive me for simplifying this. His purpose is to subdue and subjugate all of the timelines to his end that as the time traveler, he's, he's constantly clipping and conquering various timelines. He's a part of that war that we are kind of privy to in the, in the opening sequence with miss minutes that he is one of these, uh, 
these time travelers that is waging war against the various timelines to his benefit and to his end. We don't know yet if Kang is part of the TVA actively at this moment, but he is one of these overarching enemies or entities that is going to come into play in the multiverse of madness very soon. What we do know is that whoever the timekeepers are, whether it's Ravona Renslayer or it's Kang or a council of Kangs that they created the TVA, all of it, including Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson may not act ethically, and I don't think he even has the ability to know whether he's acting ethically or not. I think he does have some sort of feeling because he really, really likes, I mean, he takes pity on that child in the church, but I, I just, I don't think ethics can get in his way. And I think Loki might teach him some of that. Go ahead, Ruby. I don't know. I don't know if any of them even understand the concept of ethics. You know, when you, when you live in a singularly moralistic existence, uh, I mean, I think the, the clerk is, it was named Casey. Yeah, don't yeah, you, like he's uh, what a fish is, please. Yeah, he's he's perfect in that he's he's totally oblivious. Mm-hmm. He's totally oblivious to the fact that anything exists outside and what might be good or bad. You know, Loki says, you know, you're keeping infinity stones in a drawer, and he's like, yeah, some of the guys use them as paperweights. We, so yeah, we totally skipped over this too. When he asked Loki like what the blue box is, he goes, "It's the Tesseract," and he, like he he walks away and he goes, "That sounds dumb." <laughs> I love oh, that. And they don't, and he does, they they don't even understand the concept of life and death. You know, when when mm-hmm. Loki says, "You know, you're going to help me, or I'm going to gut you like a fish," and then he said, you know, he says, "What's a fish? What does it matter? I'm going to kill you." Yeah, well, I'm trying to weigh how bad my death is going to be. Like there's the. <laughs> There's just nothing that they can compare anything to when they've been living in eternity in this entirely singular existence. So, um, you know, I think right and wrong are, are matters that the TVA may not understand at all. And maybe maybe Mobius is the closest to kind of understanding what that might be and leaning a direction. But otherwise, you know, think about just about how dispassionate he is with showing Loki the film strip. You know, he's very clear about it. I, I think part of him trying to understand what makes Loki tick is he truly doesn't understand what makes anybody tick because from his point of view, everything's determined. Yeah, I mean, that was the most interesting aspect of that whole discussion is the the absence of free will in all of this, that your life has been predetermined. All of your decisions have been plotted out, that while you may think that you have free will and you have choice and that you have the ability to control your own fate and future, the timekeepers know more than you do. And they can plot out your trajectory, not just in this universe, but in every variation of what you could possibly do and know the exact trajectory of that. And then make the judgment of whether or not that was acceptable for the universe or not and kill you. Well, and what's incredible about that, too, is is and it just dawned on me for the first time is it's, it's Loki getting a taste of his own medicine. Right. Yeah. Like he's. You know, he's when he's talking with when he's talking with Mobius about, you know, the, the you know, when he keeps asking, why do you want to conquer people? Why do you want to have power? You know, why do you want to rule Midgard? And he's saying, you know, because, you know, freedom is a myth and he has his whole monologuing in the Avengers. And now he's recognizing what happens when he actually doesn't have agency. And it's not quite as fun as he thought it was going to be when he was wearing the horns. Yeah. Yeah. Angela, I just want to say thank you. Uh, Angela Thompson in the comments said, are any of you educators? Our high schools totally need people like y'all that so deeply analyze themes, concepts, characters, symbolism, etc. I'm a Disney gal and not as deep into Marvel, but I'm drawn by your conversations. Makes me want to explore these movies and shows deeper. Angela, thank you so much. That's just really kind feedback. I want to say thank you. Uh, I was an educator for 15 years. Mike has done some teaching as well. I was as well. Uh, Dwayne as well. So uh, I'm a, I am a very passionate uh, educator and uh it just circumstantially, I'm I'm now in another profession, but I I never want to shake those educator roots that I have. But that that thank you, that comment meant a lot to the panel. Yes, thank you so much, Angela. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to ask a question. I want to back up to Kang for just a second. The yep. the timekeepers, um, the three timekeepers that they keep showing, you know, like in the capes. Uh, the middle timekeeper has the blue face. Uh, I wondered, am I the only one that thought that that possibly could be Kang? No, I thought so too. I don't you think know, so, but I thought it may not be, but I mean, that immediately made me think that that's who that was. And maybe that's just what they wanted you to, you know, to kind of go down that rabbit path. But 
I just wondered if I was the only one that thought that. But um, also, I it, what Mike was saying is exactly what hit me too with that uh, that guy, like you said, that was just out there, you know, sitting at the desk, and he's got all the Infinity Stones. It was almost like he doesn't know any other life than that. So it was like to him, it's just, hey, this is what I do. I sit at this desk. I, <laughs> I check people in. That's it. You know, and I found that really interesting. That moment with the infinis- Infinity Stones was a real teachable moment for Loki. Let's talk about it. When you think of Loki and all that Loki has craved thus far, not just 2012 Loki, but Loki for the better part of the uh, Infinity Saga has quested for power that he craved and sought power. I mean, they, they intimated and they said as much in, in this, in this episode as well for him to look at that drawer and to see the manifestation of power in the universe, as he knows it casually sitting there as paperweights in the draw was a huge moment for him in his character development to realize here I am falsely chasing power in the universe when right in front of my eyes is the absolute power that if it can render these things powerless, this is the real power broker in the universe. And I want to be a part of it. Take me back to my cell. Let me know. How can I be a part of this? Because I I want, this is where I need to be. Yeah. What's he say? He says, uh, he says the TVA is formidable. (laughs) You know, I thought that line spoke volumes. I, yeah. I, I go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think I, I think we're we're also mistaken if we think that Loki is a good guy now. I don't think that he I still think that he is a very morally ambiguous character as currently constituted just because he saw the demise and the death of his mother, saw the end of his father's life, got the validation that he needed from Thor. I don't think that those that that enough is enough to make him turn into a good person. Make no mistake about it. He is there because he still very much is that guy from 2012 who craves power that he is, he is saddling himself with the TVA. He's siding with the TVA because his end game has not, his end game has not changed. He still wants to be a power broker in the universe. Well, I I took it more as him being, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's been somehow magically cured. Of, of anything by seeing his life play out. Um, but I think he did a great job of at least getting his character up to current base. I think what the infinity stones did to him was it humbled him. I think, you know, oh. even, even more, even more than realizing that the TVA might be a team he needs to get on board with. I think he suddenly realized for the first time, I am not in control here. Um, that, and you know, he, he Which also is hilarious because he's never been, Right, but it, but and I love that the, the the parallels of the details of what else is in the drawer is that you know it's it's a drawer full of Infinity Stones and a Honus Wagner baseball card, which is the rarest and and most prized baseball card mm-hmm. in in all of collectorship uh, on Midgard, <laughs> um, and so the idea that here's the most valuable collector's item that there can possibly be next to the most valuable collector's items for any galactic being. And they're equally worthless. I thought was just a really cool play. Agreed. I've seen I've seen criticism of it, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. Um, that why you built an entire twenty three film saga around these Infinity Stones, and then you take them out of play so quickly. I, I think Marvel's being smarter than that. I do think I don't think the TVA. I don't want to say the TVA is not real. I think the TVA is a construct that is not going to exist much beyond this series. I think the TVA is not full of good people with righteous intentions. Um, I think if we have a quote unquote good version of Loki, I think that's the variant that is going to usher in these branched realities so that this sacred timeline doesn't work out for whoever it's supposed to work out for. Ultimately, I, I I don't know, but Ravona Renslayer, Gugu Mbatura is the actress that plays her. We barely saw her in this show. She is far too good of an actress, 
far too just commanding on screen. I mean, Owen will like Mobius even says like, I feel like I'm always looking up to you. It's appropriate. I, I like it. Like it, she's, she's fantastic. If I were betting after episode one, so everybody take this down so you can throw it in my face in six weeks. She is the ultimate villain of the TVA. I think if, if Kang is in play at all throughout this series, I think it is a, just like Loki was working for Thanos in the Avengers. I, I don't think Kang's going to really make his appearance. If he does, it'll be in a post credit scene, but my, I am operating under the assumption that Loki is going to be going through many different moral challenges because the TVA is showing themselves to be right. And I don't think they are removing free agency is not a good thing. That's, that's what I will say. I like it. I like I it, man. One of my favorites. <laughs> I mean, right. We probably could have, we probably could have talked for 45 minutes to an hour just on that aspect alone. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, I think we'll get more chances too. I think it's going to be the, premise of this show yeah uh ethan uh who is one of our forever a weirdo uh this show can easily send you down a rabbit hole easily how many tva branches are there how many loki's are running around is there something that's as powerful or similar to the infinity stones within the constructs also how about that round of applause for loki being a sex fluid person so in the in the poster for the show they showed Loki's file and under gender, it said fluid. I think there's a reason for that because mm -hmm. I do think that this variant of Loki that we're chasing, Sophia DiMartino is an actress that was doing many fan events on opening night. We don't, we have not seen her yet. Heavy speculation. I shared the same speculation that she is playing Lady Loki. I think she is the variant that we're chasing after that we see at the end of the first episode that's more than likely what's what's happening i think we'll get a kid version as well a uh, shout out to one of my friends brett he he uh said if they're going to give us kid loki it better be five um from aiden gallagher from the umbrella academy he should play <laughs> kid loki that would make a lot of sense rob says it's not mephisto man i hope not um but yeah no it's it's just it's such it's it's so great but casey and his drawer of paperweights like i said ultimately if the infinity stones are rendered useless because this is a construct within a grander plot, then I'm, then I'm good with it. Um, well, let's get back to it. We've kind of talked a lot about this already, but you've lived, you've always lived within your set path. Why have I never heard of the TVA before? Well, you never had to hear of us before to say that the Avengers, what the Avengers did was supposed to happen. Um, just everything within it, it's justifying their actions to make it to make it work and that's the entire thing about the sacred timeline um does anybody else have anything on on that topic before we move on this was the part that really then just started to melt my mind and uh, do you, can we talk about the easter egg right now of the 616 well could we talk about the easter egg or are we going to get into that or uh whether or not it's um agent carter and do you do you want to we'll, get we'll get we'll get to that in in, in just a minute all right uh, well let's Mike. This was just that was this was the part that when coupled with a lot of that stuff made me really scratch my head and say, I wonder why specific events are are sanctioned and others are unforgivable. Him merely grabbing the Tesseract and transporting himself to Mon Mongolia earned him uh, being guilty. Well, even Miss Minutes says whether you started an uprising or you were just late for work, like yeah. there's a lot of uh, variance in there, no pun intended. Uh, absolutely. So this was the part that really made me just question and wonder to myself, are you a robot? Am I a robot? <laughs> uh, what, what would be unforgivable? Because much of the plot of Endgame is not just one person traveling back in time, but an entire team on a time heist. Time heist. To, uh, to, to the a bunch of bull crap to change the fate of, of their universe, but then albeit temporarily uh, changing the fate of, of several. I mean, you were, you're led to believe that uh, cap goes back and, and puts the, the time stone almost immediately back in its own universe so that there isn't a, a branch or a nexus. Uh, but 
this was the part that really made me think. This was the part that challenged me when I thought about that statement, that this was the part that I went, whoa, this is really deep. But it's whenever you mess with time travel, I, I will take my hat off to the MCU if they can finally have an episode about time travel that doesn't make half the audience mad and then half the audience chasing how wrong they were in all the plot holes. It's, it's a tough thing to write. Whenever you bring in and introduce time travel, it really messes with people. Yeah. And I, I, that's what makes me nervous. Like that's what makes me nervous about the multiverse in general is I don't want those X-Men films to count. Like, they're not good. Like I don't want them to be in their own timeline. I I, I, I love my sacred timeline of the MCU. Like it's gonna get, it's gonna get muddy, and I'm I'm afraid it's gonna lose. If it loses one person, it's one too many. But I love that's probably that's, why they're doing it. Yeah, I love how that's your concern too. Is you're like, I don't want those crappy X Men movies. I the Tobey Maguire movies counting, but I do not want X Men and Dark Phoenix to count. Like I just don't. Uh, go, Ghost Rider with Nick Cage? Yeah? Yes or I mean, no? I, mean, I, I absolutely. Ben Affleck, uh, Daredevil? No. No, no, no. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Cox. Yeah, you can introduce Charlie Cox as uh, as Matt Murdock and be Peter Parker's lawyer in Spider-Man 3. Like, that's how I you could Daredevil. I could go for hours about Daredevil and Punisher. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I this is their way of being able to not just, you know, retcon the existence of things beforehand, but I think it's their, it's their get out of jail free card for everything going forward. Right. Whenever something goes wrong in the comic books, they reboot, but you that, know, you get another timeline. Through. Frustrating. Like I, I love the interconnectivity of, of what the MCU has been for 23 films and three series now. So but that doesn't disqualify it. Right. No, like it even, if, even if, even if this, even if this is the sacred timeline, just to be able to acknowledge that, you know what, there's other stuff that's been out there. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't strive for perfection going forward. It just means that it's okay that there's other things. Like I think DC has done a great job with this. Uh, sorry if I'm crossing the streams here a little bit, but DCEU has actually done a really good job with... Uh-oh, uh am I getting buzzed? Like it's no, no, back no, here. A hot take, just a hot take. Hot it's take, a, hot take. But the uh, the cr crisis of infinite earths on on I, DC with DC. I don't watch a lot of the DC stuff on on uh, on the WB, but like I haven't they forgiven did, them for. Well, it wasn't the WB. It was uh, CW. CW. Yeah. Oh, sorry, CW, not WB. I'm dating myself again here. Yeah. But the the C but the CW was doing that with having the multiple flashes and the multiple Superman, and then the upcoming Flash movie that's supposed to have Michael Keaton returning as Batman. Like, there's something kind of nice to be able to say. You know what? You don't have to ignore that stuff that you used to love before. That was one of the things that I loved about Spider Verse. Spider Verse was fantastic in terms of just saying, look, anybody can wear the mask. Like, I, I so I'm. I agree with you. I love the perfection of the craft of the current MCU, but I don't have an issue with acknowledging the existence of other stuff as long as they just kind of say, look, these paths mostly diverge, and every once in a while you get a little bit of something there. You just know? admit it, dude. You liked Spider-Verse because it finally gave you Spider-Pig. I know dude, you some sense it gave damn. you Spider-Pigs. Dude, Spider- Yeah. No, spider I mean... Spider-Pig. I mean, Spider-Pig is, is an amazing thing, but yeah, Spider-Ham... Spider you know, he's he's kind of the, he's kind of the jam. Yeah, he's, I'm Peter Porker. But I think, man, that was a good John Mulaney. Uh, I think you can give uh, Spider Verse a lot of credit here because I think it showed that the audience can keep up with multiple different universes and stuff like that. We are getting a little bit bogged down in the weeds. We're 50 minutes in. We've got just a little bit more of the episode to talk about. I want to talk about this just briefly. We'll start with you, Dwayne. The God of Mischief is DB Cooper. We knew it was coming because we saw most of it in the trailer. <laughs> I'm so kind of bummed it isn't going to play out as part of the storyline, but it was it was great. Yeah, it was so much fun. And then to you know to find out that it was all uh, because he lost the bet to Thor. You know that whole thing, that whole scene was fun. You I know his his look. You know, and then jumping out of the plane into the going back up into the into the sky. Loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was a good shot with the Bifrost. Yeah, what else we learned. Nobody does it. Heimdall had a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> Heimdall just did everything Thor wanted him to do. Listen, so how, how angry do you think Odin was by that? He had to be he had to be pissed off at them. Sensed. Yeah. yeah. He had to be. I could just see him on the other side of the Bifrost 
standing there with his arms crossed, but like, what is this, sh- you know, right now? <laughs> I think it's great. It shows a fun relationship uh, between brothers, you know, because yeah. brothers will do some crazy stuff. Yeah. So, anytime I think of the Bifrost, I just always imagine Scourge being on the other end with the shake weight. Just well, well, that's my thing. It's like <laughs> Odin couldn't have been that upset, considering you know it wasn't Scourge on the other side going, "Behold my scuff!" Like <laughs> Texas. Oh my goodness! Then, All right, man. Let's let's okay. keep it moving. All right, your purpose. Oh, we talked about this already, so let's actually jump right ahead. So let's. We talked about it a little bit ago. Loki escapes. And we just want to reference this real quick. If you're watching us on YouTube or on the replay, you can see a video here in the bottom corner um, of when Loki escapes, somebody else comes back through the time uh, door or whatever we call that thing. And uh, the TARDIS or whatever we're going to call it. Um, She looks very very similar to Peggy Carter, like extremely similar, cannot be an accident. I don't think it's going to lead anywhere, but was she looking for Steve somewhere within this timeline at some point? It has to be her. Like, doesn't it? Yes. It, it, listen, it's pretty close. It's her. Anything's possible in the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. (laughs) It's a cool Easter egg. I don't think that it's going to play out. You have six episodes. How do you how do you go down that rabbit hole? And no, ex- not in this show. Not in this show. Not without pick, not without Agent Carter season three. I think it could play a role in what if somehow. That's a good call. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that works. That's a spot on call. Yep. But while we're talking about Easter eggs, again, we think that's just an Easter egg, but kind of a cool one. This one as well. You can see a young Stan Lee with a medal around his neck on the painting in the TVA. It is always good to have Stan Lee in the MCU. And we're going to talk about one final Easter egg. And we see 2012 Loki learns about his own sacred timeline. When the tape tape runs out and it comes to an end, does anybody know the Easter egg here? The Loki 616. Loki 616. So the Marvel Cinematic Universe, also the... It is 616 is the uh, spot where the van is, is the storage unit where the van is stored in Endgame that Scott comes out of the quantum realm. But Marvel 616 universe is what we would call the main timeline in the comic books. So Loki 616, the sacred timeline being referred to as Loki 616 is just a really cool Easter egg. Uh, but 2012 Loki and this in three minutes, we get facial expressions that take us on a six year journey of Loki really craving that relationship with his brother and just the sorrow of the death of his mom, actually caring that Odin died, getting that speech that that Thor gives Loki about how he looked up to him right before the get help scene. And then ultimately coming to his demise at the hands of the man he was working for less than 12 hours earlier. Mark Valentine, you said this was the greatest spot of the episode for you. I really, this was the best part of the episode. Um, This scene brought me back to my childhood. There's a film in 1991 stars Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. It's called defending your life. The whole premise of the movie is Albert Brooks dies. And then there's a, a place that you go either before you're, you're either sent to heaven or you go back to earth to try again. And there's only one thing that you have to justify is that you were able to overcome your life and the fear in your life. And this scene really brought me back to that movie because a big part of the movie with Albert Brooks was watching yourself almost like you were in a film, having those emotions again, being separated from your earthly body. And, and it was very much like that out of body experience. I wonder if that film inspired this in some way, shape or form, because the concept was almost taken directly from that 1991 film of a person watching themselves, having to almost adjudicate, or atone or explain what had happened there or, you know, their, their motivation. And to me, it was a really great moment for Loki to realize some of the decisions that he made while in that, that body, he didn't fully understand the repercussions. His mother was probably the biggest moment here. He thinks as always, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I didn't intend for this, but I, I wanted to send them up to kill, you know, to kill Thor. And then all of these decisions have consequences that I, I could never see that far. And he regrets. 
the fact that his mother, what he does, it that was going to anyway. That's what he does kills his mother. And I think, again, uh, coupled with some of the other events, it really is a learning moment for him. But then it was also beautiful that he had a chance to see his father say, I love you. And it, it wasn't forced. Uh, that it, it was at the end of his father's life that the last thing that his father said to both of them was how much he loved his sons. And then to get that validation that he wanted from his brother, it was, uh, I think the three things that he has always wanted to hear and him getting them in quick succession, I think left a, a big mark on him. When we talk about Loki, yeah, when we talk about Loki and the Avengers, this particular character, Thor was pleading to him of, you can stop this. You should stop this. And Loki genuinely considers stopping that. And it's this moment in time when he gets the when he gets the courage to at least admit what he accused the TVA of being earlier is an illusion, a cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear. And then Owen Wilson finished this is the sentence of a desperate play for control. That goes right back into, do you enjoy hurting people? You're a liberator of eyeballs, maybe. And it's Loki loving that that fear that he's that he's conjuring at that at that moment in time. But Loki sees himself as weak. And it's this is what's giving him the courage to finally admit it. The introspection that happens within that. And how good are those scenes with Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston? Just so good. So much wow. so much emotion and humor. Like when he when Loki stands up to I was standing up to prove a point and oh well then you can do it. Well now it wouldn't be as meaningful. It's hilarious, but it doesn't undercut the scene whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Owen Wilson fits in this episode so perfectly. I'm just so excited. Dwayne, what did you think of, of 2012 Loki kind of making that, making that jump all the way to 2018? Yeah, actually just exactly like Mark said, uh, that whole, and actually all of those scenes that we're talking about there with just the two of them, um, kind of just gave you so, so much of a, a look into, you know, what he was feeling at that moment because, you know, he hadn't lived any of that yet. So he's like, well, you know, this didn't happen. Oh, yeah, it's going to. Yeah, not yet. Not <laughs> you yet. know, not but you. it's going to. This is what's going to happen, and it's because of what you did. So again, it's it's that moment where you realize that the consequences of your actions, but then you also get the validation. So it's just this huge range of emotions. Well, meanwhile, uh, Mobius is kind of poking at him the whole time, which I thought was kind of you know interesting. You know, he just kept. He kept needling at him, kept poking at him, you know, well, why do you do this? What's your reason? You know, and he just goes at him and uh, the chemistry between the two of them, the arc of how, you know, Loki goes from one end to the other. Uh, I'll be interested to see, you know, now uh, that he kind of has had all that information. He knows he can't be reset, quote unquote, or go back. He knows that. He knows uh, much. Yeah. Yeah, he knows too much to go back. So now, uh, you know, so that he has something to do, hey, I've got something you can do. You know, I'm interested to see that, you know, you can actually help us find who we're looking for. Well, who are you looking for? And, of course, the reveal. And think about he knows too much, but he also can't go back because it's gone. Like that timeline is. is It's not there. Uh, And juxtapose like Loki seeing his end. And seeing what his life ultimately turned into dying at the hands of Thanos versus what Thanos did in Avengers Endgame of saying that's destiny fulfilled. Like that's somebody who lived up to what they saw as their greater purpose versus, or excuse me, their glorious purpose, if we want to put that in Loki terms. But but Loki, he's afraid of how of how he dies. Ruby, go ahead. No, I'm just, I, I think that the economy of storytelling is brilliant. I, I just I love that just in having him see his whole life and he gets caught up in that moment and that you see him take the emotional journey like how it's incredible to comprehend that somehow they've taken several films worth of material and somehow had Loki take that journey in 90 seconds yeah. of, of watching the greatest hits yeah. and yet he's still able to have that whole emotional journey so that as he goes forward in the MCU and we watch him through the rest of this, he's now caught up to us. It doesn't matter that he didn't actually live it. He's caught up. Um, I, I think, I think that's really exciting. And I think it'll be then neat to see like once he kind of figures things out, 
where does he find his place back into the sacred timeline? If he's, if he's been, you know, in the words of, of Dr. Emmett Brown, if he's been erased from existence, how does he find a way back in and understand his place? And is he any different now that he truly, you know, he's been somehow psychoanalyzed by a timeless being. What, ha- what happens after, after Freud has gotten into the head of Loki? Yep. Yep. It's, it's, I, I, I thought we were going on the journey of season one of redeeming him in the eyes of the audience. And we've already caught up to 20, 2018 Loki. Like the and that one- was such a great decision on the part of the writer. Like it's so good. Yeah. It, what and- a great decision on the part of the writers to not have to rework him to the, the like Mike said, it's, it's just so economical to have that entire story arc be done in the, in the span of the 90 seconds. And he can't be redeemed. I think if I think if they tried to redeem him in any way, it would be not true to his character either. Like he's still the trickster. You know, it was like the second that that Mobius grabs his hand to help him off the floor, it's like he's picking his pocket. Like you knew before he even got it, be like, what's he grabbing? You <laughs> and know, and also, everything he does is gonna inherently be a trick. Yeah. We also didn't call out the Easter egg of when Loki says, I'll have that drink now. And Mobius offers him just a soda, which is something made from PepsiCo back in like the late nineties. Mm-hmm. The energy used- drink. Yeah. just has sitting around. Yeah. The energy drink. Was it just, it looked like Jolt. No, it was, no, Jasta. Jasta. Okay. It was yeah. Jasta. He had a can waiting there for Loki. But last thing we're going to touch on is the variant we're hunting is you. We go to 1858 in Salina, Oklahoma. There is a, some piece of technology from the third millennium. They think that it was somebody just fiddling with a time machine, left the oil behind. They stand in said oil and it burns them alive. I am under the impression that we know that this is the variant of Loki. I expect this to be Sophia DiMartino, Lady Loki. I don't think we're going to see a Vision versus Vision, Paul Bettany versus Paul Bettany kind of deal. I think we're only going to see Tom Hiddleston meet up against other versions of Loki. And I don't think we're going to see Tom Hiddleston, Lindsay Lohan, Parent Trap style. Right. Um, both parts yeah but i again i'm i'm in there thinking this variant is actually as good as they come when it comes to being loki i think the tva is dirty um that's that's the side of the camp that i'm that i'm currently living on ruby i'll give you some of your your uh, moment for your last thoughts uh i'm i'm excited to see how this plays out on if the other was the uh the if uh, endgame was the time heist then I'm uh, I'm excited to see what happens when we get into the 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 the, uh, the time war the time the time detectives as they try and crack this thing down and I love the idea of who better to hunt you know who better to hunt a criminal than themselves uh, I I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see and I I'm since the TVA clearly doesn't have any morals I think it's going to be really fun to see Loki having his own kind of moral tests as he has to kind of wager. Who am I? What am I? Am I really different from you from multivert, you know, from universe to universe? And, you know, what what side am I on? Am I on my own side? Am I literally on my own side because I'm backing up all of my alternate versions? Um, or am I going to choose a whole different path? I think it's it's going to be a really cool cluster to, to find its way through. Dwayne, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't wait to see. Uh, how that works. I also am really interested in the fact that, you know, we see that at the end of the episode, what we think again is Lady Loki, she gets one of those time reset, you know, seventh one. Yes. Yeah, so that she has that. So what, what timeline is she going to uh, reset quote unquote, you know, and, and change what is either the sacred timeline or to a timeline that suits her reality you know so i'm interested in seeing that um i as you guys know i love marvel um and i'm just excited about loki as a character he's to me he's fun he's a trickster he's got lots of layers which makes him really fun to watch and diagnose and see on tv or film and uh so to me i i thought the first episode was amazing i thought they covered like you guys said earlier, a lot of ground in one episode to get us to a place where we can really grow and and have a story. So it's exciting to me. I'm going to turn off my speculation brain here in just a minute, but we know that that's the seventh time resetter that she or he 
obtained throughout the episode, depending on the dialogue. I don't think they're collecting them to use them. I think they're collecting them so nobody can use them. Okay. I would agree with that. Yep. I like it. Go I was going to say thank you for saying that. I was just going to say I think we're we're assuming that they're being collected to end the chaos. I think that they're being collected to allow the chaos to ensue. That, that she wants like she wants there to be chaos. That there's there's more damage done when there is a war amongst all of these timelines than than the alternate, which is clipping the branches. That's I like it. in here. Yeah. It's great. We've got Wednesday drops, which means we only have about another what about 30, 36 hours to go before our next episode. Uh gentlemen, thank you so much for that fun one. Ruby, Mark Valentine, and myself, we did drop Babu's freaking podcast talking about the greatest lightsaber duels in the light in the Star Wars galaxy. That is out everywhere you can find your podcast that is available now. It's out. Perfect. Hey, hey. This is live was on right before us. You can check the replay of that. What's going on in this is life world. Uh, we have an episode that's called the new normal. Dwayne and I hate that term, but we accepted it nonetheless <laughs> uh, that we're talking about the things that will be staying at Disney world post COVID. Uh, even after the phased reopening uh, things that you can, as a guest expect to be seeing for at least the near future and things that are quickly fading away. Uh, a lot of fun, very informative episode. And in United We Fan, we recorded an epic Indiana Jones epic podcast spectacular. It's a two-part Indiana Jones episode. The first episode is going to talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark, Disney Parks, and Temple of Doom. And then next week, we will post uh, the rest of comic books, video games. Um, the third one was Sean Connery. Uh, somebody help me. And then the last, Crusade. the last crusade and then kingdom of the crystal skull, as well as what we expect from the fifth movie. It was a fun one to record. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen. And to update one last thing, we're going to update every single week. The wow count from Owen Wilson still stands at zero. Wow. Gentlemen for all time. Always. Always. Always.